Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Revelation Station podcast. I'm here in Studio 2, remotely recording. My good friend Gary is in Studio 1, recording. Hello, Gary. Hello, listeners. Over here in Studio 1. So, you may remember, at the end of the last episode of the Revelation Station podcast, uh, Gary and Simon were trapped in a jungle. Well, because of lockdown, we've decided that we're going to carry on with the Genesis-related Revelation Station podcast, but we're not going to carry that story on for the moment. No, we're saving that for when we do our, well, what is going to be season three now, which will be the Marillion stuff, um, yep. and we will do the scripted stuff with that. But yep. for now, we thought we'd just carry on doing Genesis, but without the, the comedy. We're going to still try and be funny. We've decided to do some Genesis-related, unscripted podcasts, um, where we look at some Genesis-related music. Yeah, we're going to be looking at all the solo albums that they did. And what we thought we'd do is we'd attack them one at a time, going in order. We're going to do the first one of everyone, then the second one of everyone, then the third one of everyone, rather than doing them in sequence, because that would mean doing 57 Steve Hackett before anybody else got a look in. Exactly. Or, or 100 Anthony Phillips albums before we can look at some of the good stuff. And nobody wants to go there. <laughs> so... This first run of episodes is going to be the first solo albums by the five core members of Genesis. And we're also going to do a couple of bonus episodes after the run as well. What do you mean, bonus episodes? You haven't told me about this. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to keep it a surprise. Even from me? Even from you. How am I supposed to research these things if you don't tell me them? You can't just expect me to turn up on a Saturday afternoon and talk gibberish about things I don't know. That's what I do for a living. Remember how well that worked for Cornell Stations, though? <laughs> that, is, that is true and, uh, yeah that is true I'll let you go with that yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean w- would you have liked it if I'd have made you listen to Gordon Hill Stations over and over for a month no I would have attacked you viciously with those pole <laughs> with nails on it so there you go so I'm doing it for your own good thank you I appreciate you thinking of me oh, always always yeah um, but it's what you're thinking of me it's like the ways to kill Gary that, that's what you're thinking mostly isn't it mostly yeah so, certainly ways to stop you interrupting me anyway never gonna happen <laughs> so so did I tell because, you mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> just interrupting you just thought I'd get one in there yeah. go, um, on, so go on make it sound like you're intelligent go on we've decided that remote recording isn't good enough quality to do the scripted stuff to the standard that we like to do it yeah I mean we're assuming that some of you people out there actually like the scripted stuff that we do the intros and the outros of the various episodes what yeah. we found is that this particular me- uh, medium that we're using at the moment uh, we get dropouts and drop-ins, and um, we find that it, we th- I think if we do the script this way, it could come across where we're not reacting to each other properly. Because we get into a room, we get the scripts out, we've got a couple of microphones, and we just bash the hell out of it. Because um, as you, if anybody who's listened to these, know we're completely untalented in every possible respect. But <laughs> when we can see each other and react to each other, we get a better result from the gibberish that we've written. So we thought we will wait until we can actually be within punching range of each other and then we can do these scripts justice. Um, Well, the justice that you can do with lousy scripts. But that's what we thought. So for now, we're just going to do unscripted reviews. Yes. Is that right, Simon? That's correct. Very similar to the way we've been doing Keep Talking podcast during the lockdown. Yeah, Um, but, but slightly more interesting, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. And also we're going to be focusing back on Genesis. Yeah, um, I mean, 
I have I have to admit I have not heard any of the solo stuff by Peter Gabriel's. So I am yeah. looking forward to this because because actually, you know, since we started this, you made me listen to early Genesis that I haven't really listened to. And it yeah. occurs to me that I haven't heard almost anything that we've been reviewing. Really? <laughs> yeah. So th- this is not a novel position I'm in at the moment. I'm now reviewing stuff I haven't heard until I stuck it in the car literally this week and listened <laughs> to it until I was bored out of my mind. Awesome. So just like the way we were doing the Genesis stuff then. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to aim for uh, getting these out weekly, if we can. Um Depending on whether I can edit it. So this this first one's going to be a bit of a test of how long I can, or how quickly I can get these out. But yeah, so here we go. For the next few weeks, it's all going to be solo Genesis albums. So this week's album, have you been listening to it, Gary? Yes, I have. You gave me a copy of it and I put it in and thought, what the bloody hell am I listening to? <laughs> um, but yes, I have definitely been listening to it. Excellent. So this is the very first solo album that was released by any member of Genesis. Um, and this is Voyage of the Acolyte by Steve Hackett. Yes, it is indeed. Released in October of 1975. It was recorded in June and July of 1975, um, which was just about a month after the end of the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway tour. It was. I mean, he'd been with Genesis for four years at this point. Hmm. And then he took a break and went, you know, I'm going to do my own solo stuff. I don't need those guys to hold me back. <laughs> and then he promptly went and took two of them to perform on this album. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is often regarded as um, a lost Genesis album. Um, you know, the funny thing is it does feel that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, when you listen, there's a couple of tracks on there, you think, I- I'm sure I've heard this refrain somewhere on a Genesis album. Yeah. I mean, he'd, he'd been writing most of this music he'd written while he was on tour with Genesis. Um, and some of it he'd even taken to the band and they'd rehearsed it for I mean, various albums. You say while he was on tour he was writing hmm. this. Um, 1974, which album was that? The Lamb. Wouldn't they look like touring mentally at this point? Yeah, they were touring The Lamb. Wasn't this the point where they were like all through Italy and stuff when they were touring this? How yeah. did he possibly well, find time to write anything? Well, Steve said in interviews that he would go to his hotel room with his guitar and to wind down and to relax from the tour he would just noodle around his guitar and write little songs and little pieces of music. Can't he take so. pizza and beer back to the hotel like everybody else? <laughs> That's how I'd relax after a busy day's touring. Yeah, well, so so while the rest of the band were taking drugs and hookers back to the hotel room, he was <laughs> taking his guitar. Yeah, and doing some writing. Is it any wonder he got annoyed that his songs weren't ever being used on the, the albums? Oh, well, we'll come into that as we're coming into that, because... <laughs> There's a lot to unpick on this album, isn't there? There is. There is. And um, uh, it's, it's an interesting album, but because, I mean, it is a solo album, and yeah. you would expect him to try and go from various directions, but it, it, it really does feel like a kind of lost Genesis album, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, it hasn't it's... really split from the fold massively. So like you said, this, also, this album features two members of Genesis, which is Mike Rutherford and Phil Collins, which... Seems very telling, I think, that Tony Banks isn't on this album. <laughs> <laughs> really? Do you think there's? I mean, because there is a lot of keyboards and things being used on this album, mm. isn't there? He's borrowed the band's Mellotron on this yeah. album, so he's taken the keyboard, but not the keyboard player. Yeah, it, it says perhaps where the friction was in the band at this point. I think. Yeah, I think it's very yeah. telling. Very telling. Uh, 
Um, I mean, you know, it's understandable when you're when you're touring with people for a great length of time, as they have been doing at this point. I mean, they're almost mm. non-stop touring at this point, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, you are going to get frictions, even amongst the best of friends. You're going to get a yeah. lot of friction. Um, yeah, exactly. So the, the fact that he wanted to do his own thing, take a bit of a break from the band, maybe include a few pals, not include the one you hate, um, yeah. it's quite understandable, <laughs> probably, because, you know, yeah. everybody's human. Even even mm. rock stars are, are more than human, I think, yeah. mostly because they put their feelings out there for everybody. Mm. Um, they do. I mean, and you know, he knows Mike and Phil. He trusts them. He knows how good they are at what they do. So are you saying he doesn't trust? <laughs> <laughs> but why wouldn't he ask them to help him out on his album? Yeah. And to be fair, if you were going to do an album and you needed a drummer, you'd get mm. Phil Collins, wouldn't you? As most bands in the 80s did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd be fool not to if you, if you had him on call. But they were there purely to add the music. They weren't included yeah. in the writing at all. And they you can, write you know, but the thing is, you still end up with an album that feels essentially it's yeah. kind of Genesis-y, but it, at the same time is not Genesis, even though you will be forgiven for thinking it's Genesis. Yes. Or at least a lost demo tape. Yeah, that's probably closer to it, I think. It sounds more like something that he's, which a lot of it is, that he's demoed for the band. Mm. But it is, it is an interesting album. I mean, we'll come on to this later as to if mm. we enjoyed it and the overview of the album. I think we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. do that as usual at the end. But, I mean, it, it, it is an interesting time when this is done. 1975, mm-hmm. prog rock is by no means it is in its infancy. Well, this is the peak of prog rock, really, isn't it, 75? I think it's pretty much when it's starting to wane, I would say. Because you've mm. got a lot of bands that were prog rock which were like... Late 60s, early 70s, and then yeah. it's starting to fade out a little bit. Even Genesis is starting yeah. to go less prog rock at this point. I mean, I suppose you're right, because you start thinking of the classic prog albums. How many of them came after 1975? Not a lot. Not a lot. A few, don't get me wrong, there were some great albums, yeah, but, but on the whole, prog rock is now becoming less mainstream and basically just there for the fans who want to listen well, to it. I would say it's becoming more mainstream, which is why something like Punk's going to come along in a year or two and knock it over, because it's become mainstream. Yeah, but you've got a lot more pop coming Um, at this point. I mean, this was like when disco was getting to its height at this point. So you've got a lot of other musical styles out there. Don't get me wrong, nobody who's into prog rock is probably going to go, hey, I'm going to switch to disco. Apart from the flares, there's probably not (laughs) a lot of crossover there. Um, but you know you've got yeah. a lot of other influences in the musical world at this point and prog rock has pretty much had its day at this point and it's mm. starting to wane out alright you've still got a lot of bands like um, Focus and things that are still doing stuff at this time but I think the big bands are now sort of turning away from prog rock and yeah. although you've still got some bands who are producing it there's not a lot of I don't remember there being a lot of new bands that were coming into that scene at this point mm. yeah new bands no but yeah People like Yes have released all their classic albums by now. Yeah, I mean, um, even they were taking a break. In a couple of years, they will be taking a break. Yeah. And they, w- they wouldn't come back until 90210 or whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this album was released on Charisma. Let's like, let's get that in there. At this point, Charisma were releasing a lot of great stuff. It was. Classic album. It was. Um, obviously, Steve was signed to Charisma as part of Genesis, so that makes sense. So was that all part of a two-deal package when, when he decided to split? Because he had this background with Charisma, he went to them first and says... Mm. 
I want to do a solo album, give me a contract. I would imagine they've got first refusal on all his solo stuff. Yeah, so probably. If they didn't want it, he probably would have been free to take it to another record label. But yeah, he originally wanted to call this Premonitions, this album. Considering how he chose the titles mm. and what the, the songs are about, yeah. I suppose that kind of works as well. Yeah, well, the Charisma didn't like that name, so they suggested the Voyage of the Acolyte. And uh, Steve Steve liked that as well, so you we went with it. So we've got we've got an exclusive extract from um, a recording that was made at the time of Steve actually presenting his ideas to Charisma record label boss Tony Stratton Smith. And so we'll play that for you now. We've got to hold that from the archives. Hey man, guys, right? Listen, like I know you're like the man, but I got an idea for an album. All right, man. Laid on me. It's a concept album, right? Like based on the tarot. And I'm gonna call it Premonitions! Based on the tarot, is it? Yeah. Premonitions? No, I don't like it. You're gonna call it. Hang on. Wait a minute, it's coming to me. You're gonna call it Voyage of the Acolyte. Got it? Hey man, you can't say that. I'm with Genesis, the biggest band around here. We've sold nearly 20 albums last month. I'm huge. You can't tell me what to do. Shut it, you muppet. You've just lost your singer. You ain't got time to be going around making solo albums. You're going to call it Voyage of the Acolyte or it ain't getting released. Capiche? Okay. Well, I get to choose the colour of the album. All right. Well, you've got to get a Brazilian artist to do the album cover. I was going to go French. Get out of my office, you muppet. Get back to the sweatshop. Okay. I want a hit album next year or you're for it. A hit album? Oh, uh, that wasn't quite what I was planning, but I'll give it a shot. You better. Ooh. Well, that was a secret recording. I hadn't heard that before. Where did you get that, Simon? Wow, top secret Genesis archive sources. That's never been heard before. Wow, we are so blessed. We are. We're honoured, in fact. That is, that is like... Wow, behind the scenes stuff. It is. So that's actually how it happened, is it? That's exactly how it happened, yeah. So. That's incredible. That's incredible. Where do you find this stuff? So as that little clip said, Steve based it loosely on the tarot, which he was interested in at the time. It was the 70s. They were all weird. They weren't as weird as the 60s. Mm. The 70s was like the 60s, but with flares. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's understandable that, that he would choose something far out and out there. The album was a minor hit. In the UK, got to number 26 in the album charts, which is not bad. It got to 191 in the USA, and it was the first of 25 solo albums that Steve's made, not including numerous collaborations. That's impressive, isn't it? I mean, he actually did do an extra track for this album called The Fool, mm. but then he didn't include that on in the final yes. edit. So... So there was one more mystery track out there. Has he ever put that out anyway? It's think? only ever been referenced in one interview. So he's never actually put it on like a best of or greatest New hits of or uh, doodlings or because they re-released re this album, didn't they, in 2005? Mm. Yeah. And it wasn't included on that? Nope. It just had a live track and um, an extended version of Shadow of the Hierophant. But everybody puts their, their gibberish on reissues. <laughs> no, demos, everything, don't they? I mean, the only time I'm really interested in demos is if it's of tracks that they didn't then bother recording for the album. Or an artist that then stopped recording. Mm. So, you know, you're desperate to hear almost anything they did. Yeah, exactly. But we're talking about a guy who didn't stop recording ever. Yeah. 
So now, it's exactly. not like you're going to go and look for missing and lost stuff because you're still ca- trying to catch up with the stuff he's still recording. Which, which listeners, is one of the reasons why we're not doing each individual artist solo project. God, no, we wouldn't get on to anybody <laughs> else until about 2040. Exactly, we would tw- 25 Steve Hackett albums. I think there's even more by Anthony Phillips. So I think Anthony Phillips is close to 40. So and we're doing these, are we? Oh, joy unbounded. <laughs> Anyway, so this uh, this album features Steve's younger brother John on the flute and the synth, and uh, John's now a solo artist in his own right. He's got his own little band. Um, I did not know that. Yes, um, and his last album had Steve actually played on the last album by John Hackett. So they're still working together now, and, and John plays on Steve's albums. But yes, so shall we have a dive into the album tracks? Why the hell not? So let's start off with the very first track on the album. That's always a good place to start, don't you it think? It is. We could be wacky and just do the tracks in random order, like some podcasts do the albums in random order. I don't think it'd matter. Nobody's listening to this. <laughs> no. Um, so let's dive into the very first track on the album, which is called Ace of Wands. <laughs> So Ace of Wands, what do you think of Ace of Wands? You know, the funny thing is I quite like it. Yeah. Um, but it is incredibly repetitive. It's quite indicative of the whole album though, isn't it? The album is full of plenty of good ideas. It's full of good ideas. Um, but they can get a little bit repetitive. Yeah, it's like he had, I mean, what are there, eight tracks on this? And he's got eight good ideas, but not a full song's worth of good ideas. Mm. Yeah. So you've got eight tracks, and most of the tracks, don't get me wrong, this is this is not indicative of all of them. Yeah. Some of them do go quite well, but a couple of them mm. are repeating refrains. So you, you get the feeling like, <laughs> well, when I was listening to this, I was, I was driving down the road, and I completely lost time <laughs> while I was listening to this, because I thought, have I been listening to this for half an hour or ten minutes? <laughs> yeah. It was it was because it was kept repeating. Mm. It's it's I like this track, don't get me wrong, but it is a bit repetitive. Yeah. This track repeats again and again like a dodgy burrito. <laughs> it keeps going on and on and on. Mm. It's very good and very interesting, but but it could have done with something in the middle. Mm. Some great musical piece that would have tied it all together. But it doesn't really do that, does it? It just it just goes on for what five minutes, 
and it's like it's enjoyable and I really enjoyed listening to this but it could have done with something else I mean the, the themes are repetitive but there are a lot of cakey changes in this song it goes all over the place like he's crammed loads of ideas into one piece of music and then just repeats them yes that's it you get a lot yeah but it is repeated yeah so um, that's why I like it there's a lot going on mm. but then two minutes later that's going on again yeah yeah so it's it's well good and while I enjoyed it and while I, I had no problem listening to it mm. it's not a track I think I would continue to re- listen to mm. in a repeat because once you've heard it you've pretty much heard it yeah okay cool in fact you've heard it three or four times <laughs> in the same song but don't you think the um, the guitar line sounds like it could be the um, soundtrack to a 70s TV show like a, a like a kid's you fantasy took the show. words right out of my mouth yeah. that is exactly what it I mean to be fair you get this with a couple of tracks mm. on this album there's a couple of tracks where I was listening to it and I thought now this would make a really good musical score for a film yeah. or a television show, you know, where you've got like a hero piece. Yeah. It does play like that, doesn't it? Yeah. It does play like themes. And I suppose that was kind of what he was getting at with with the whole tarot card thing. Yeah. Where each song represents a card, so each song would have to be themed for that card. Yeah. And so you could say that he's done a brilliant job then if that is what came yeah. to your mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there is a 70s TV show called Ace of Wands, but it's nothing to do with this track. But there was indeed. Yes. It does really remind me. I can just imagine a, a, an ITV kids fantasy show, like I think Ace of Wands the TV show was, but with this this being the, the opening music to it. Just think it worked, it worked really well as that. Yeah, I agree. And, and as it as it ref- keeps repeating every two minutes, um, <laughs> you've got. Titles repeating again and again and again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it worked fine. This song was the first solo Steve song that I ever heard. I was flicking through the channels on my TV. To be fair, this is the first solo thing anybody would have heard from Steve because it's the first track well, yeah. on the first album. Well, it's the first album, yes. But in particular, many years after it was released, this was oh, the first right. thing okay. that I heard. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it was on a, a central TV. It used to do late night live shows. Not broadcast live, but, you know, live concerts that had been recorded before. And this was a concert from, I think, 1979, 1978. And this was um, was the track they played. They continued doing that into the 80s. Yes, it was in the 80s. Um, and I know, because I went to one. I've just remembered this. <laughs> I went to one, a Hawkwind one. Yeah. Hawkwind actually did one for Central TV, and I went down to the Central TV studios yeah. and watched it being recorded. I've literally just remembered that. Wow. Wow, there you go. So, yeah, that, that, so they were doing that... Up until, uh, judging by the timeline when I was listening to this, they must have been doing it up to about 82, 83, mm. when they were still doing live gigs. Yeah. To, I never saw when it was actually shown on Central TV, so I assume it was like three in the morning or something, because this was at the time when television was um, going into like 24-hour stuff, wasn't it? I think this would, would have been on about 11 o'clock at night on Central TV, and I just stayed up to watch it. I saw, saw on teletext that it was going to be Steve Hackett was going to be featured, so I stayed up late to watch it, and yeah, it was a concert he played tracks from his first three solo albums i think um but he op- they opened the show with this one so i was like hmm. so i i actually really like this track um i think it- didn't you have to get up for school in the morning no probably a levels maybe because it's yeah, later it's like, this would be like 80 87 <laughs> so this is after i got into ju- oh, this is right. when i knew who steve hackett actually was so <laughs> um that's that's that was my introduction to steve hackett solo stuff so yeah i like this track this was the second track he recorded for the album after what is the next track 
I don't think it's really interesting that he opens his solo album with a little drum solo. Considering who was on the drums, yes, it's a bit yeah. ironic, maybe. But you know, he's a guitarist um, in Genesis, and he opens with a drum drum solo, not a solo, but you know, a drum roll. Yeah, the guitars come in much later. You'd think with with his leaning towards guitar, it would have started yeah. with guitar. But yes, you're quite right. It is kind of. It is odd for a guy who wants to break away and do his own solo stuff to start his first album without his solo stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I like that. I like I like this track. I enjoy it. Yeah, um, I liked it. I liked it. It was it was inoffensive mm-hmm. and interesting. If I mean, I do keep saying this thing about it repeating. Yeah, it's not boringly repetitive. Yes, it's just a continuation and a repeat of a strain. Yeah, um, but it's, it's so, effectively. So I liked it. It's effectively a, a sort of a two-minute song. Which is then repeated three times. See, I was trying to make it sound good, and you just tr- made it sound awful again. <laughs> but it is um, though, isn't it? Because it, it, it does it the, the breakdown, and then goes all quiet, and then, and then, yeah, yep, just like that, only more musical. Exactly, but it's quite folky. Don't you think it's quite a folky sounding guitar? Even though it's played on electric guitar, the actual melody is quite folky. I didn't get the folky aspect on this one. I thought it was. Because uh, probably for what was going on in the background mm. um, with this track, it's it's, it's interesting, but mm. I didn't get folky from it. No, yeah, I just think the melody is quite folky, and I know it doesn't sound folky because it's played on electric guitar, but just that you could almost imagine that being a folk song. I think and no, because it's quite good, <laughs> and folk singing is awful, as everybody knows. One last thing about that is apparently Tony Banks praised. Steve over the bass line for this track for Ace of Wands. Tony Banks really liked the bass line. Even though he hadn't included him in the recording. Yeah, apparently. So, yeah. Just goes to show he's the bigger man. He is. (laughs) So, next track is Hands of the Priestess Part 1. the hands of the priestess doing do you think is this a pervy thing or? <laughs> i don't know he chopped the hands of the priestess off maybe man you're dark <laughs> wow wow chopping your hands off wow <laughs> yeah very dark well. very early wow <laughs> yeah so what did you think about this anyway um it's a quite a nice change of pace isn't it from ace of wands it is this is in fact even more genesis than the first track i mean there are several tracks in this album that you think I have heard that refrain before on a Genesis album yeah. he, he wrote these so he can borrow them if he likes and yeah. then they used 
sparingly and here and there. So you just get a little, oh, mm. that sounded like, but it's not borrowed as a theme yeah. for the song. Yeah. This is a track where that happens. There's a couple of tracks in here where you go, oh, God, I'm absolutely sure I've heard this before on a Genesis album. Yeah. You may not, but it's so Genesis-y. Yeah. It fools you into thinking you've heard this before on a Genesis album. I mean, it would not have been out of place on Foxtrot or Nursery no, Prime. that is exactly what I was thinking. It, it yeah. would have slotted in there perfectly. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a short enough... Well, I say it's a short track. It's actually mm. standard track size. It's just, what, three, three and a half minutes? Um, three minutes long, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, I liked it. it. It doesn't really go anywhere, though. No, it doesn't. I mean, one of, the, one of the things I put in my notes is it kind of fades into the distance as though the song's leaving you behind rather than... Yeah, I mean, I mean, so you're staying where you are, and the song's drifting away from you. I know in a couple of uh, tracks time we'll get part two of this. Mm. Um, yeah, the revenge. The revenge. Part two, the revenge. <laughs> this time it's war. But it's like, <laughs> and she comes back, and she's got robot hands. Leave the hands out of it, Jesus! What is with you? Anyway, um, it's like it's a nice enough track, but it's like it's nice and it's Genesis, but it's also elevator music. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind it, of, isn't it? If this went on for 27 minutes, you wouldn't be surprised because it just doesn't pick up or go anywhere. It just plays along and then stops. It's not yeah. like you get a crescendo yeah. at the it, end or a massive musical bit in the middle. It doesn't stop, though, does it? It fades. Yeah, that's it. It because fades out. Not only couldn't he figure out where it was going to go, he couldn't even figure out how to stop it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like... Um, but yeah, that, that said, it is... Quite a nice, pleasant piece of music. I have got nothing bad to say about it. It's fine. It's just unfortunate that as a standalone piece, mm. it wouldn't stand alone yeah. because it's nothing of itself. It's fine on the album, yeah. but if you put this out as a single, say, which you never would, yeah. there'll be no point because it's not a song in and of itself. It's fine on the album in the place it's in. Yes, exactly. If this... If the track that comes next didn't come next, it wouldn't work quite as well. I don't think. You've just said exactly what I just said. Yeah. Because you're planning to edit out everything I said, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> as usual. Every time I make an interesting comment, you edit me out. <laughs> and then just say your own thing and make it sound like you're really interesting and you're really clever. I'm really clever. <laughs> That's besides the point. <laughs> but this was the very first track he recorded for the album. Really, um, really. And this is, this is, yep, this is the one he recorded. Um, he borrowed uh, the band's Mellotron and Mike's twelve-string guitar to play on this. Did Mike know and about this that? This is also, uh, probably not. And um, this is also John that. Hackett's wow. very, very first pro recording experience. So John Hackett's playing on this, the flute. Um, he'd never recorded anything professionally before. Wow. So, so that's Hands of the Priestess Part 1. That leads us into the next track, which is... A Tower Struck Down.
So, wasn't that interesting? Yeah. Very experimental, this one. Mm. I mean, there's a lot going on here, isn't there? This was another one that was on that Central TV broadcast that I, uh, I mentioned. Really? And uh, Yeah, and all the, shall we say, the interruptions were actually on that live broadcast as well. Really? Some of the... Yeah. When I was listening to this, I thought some of the synthesizer stuff, not the tone of the track or indeed the melody of the track, but mm. some of the use of synthesizers reminded me of the early Gabriel stuff. Yeah. I know I know the two are separated by quite a bit at this point because I think this is mm. actually released before anything by Gabriel. Um, yes, but it's, it is before. But there was just something about the synthesizer stuff that made me think about the early Gabriel albums because yeah. of the, you know, the experimental weirdness of them yeah i mean it's funny the weird effect on the guitar because it's quite a heavy guitar line it's a very heavy you guitar know, line yeah but then he's How got a kind of sort of sound effect over the top of it it's really odd funny it, it sounded kind of... different on the album <laughs> that weird sound effect on the guitar it kind of takes away some of the heaviness of it i think um well, you say that, but it is a, it is a very industrial sound, isn't it? This mm. it's heavy. It's it's almost machinery yeah. in in the in the way it's you know the clashing sounds and very sort of electronic sounds rather than classical instruments. Yeah, it is a very experimental piece. This it is. This doesn't sound anything like a Genesis track. No as far from it, in yeah. fact, as you can get. Pretty much. And in fact, it, it's probably the most experimental track on this entire album. It definitely, yeah. It, it, most out there. I mean, you've got that weird sort of Zeke Heil chant in the middle that just comes from nowhere. <coughs> Funny you should mention that, because <laughs> I was listening to this in the car and I pulled up some traffic lights. It was a beautiful summer's day, like we just had. And I had the windows down, and as I pulled up, the music stopped and Zeke Heil was coming out of my speakers. <laughs> I got an extremely funny look from the guy in the car next to me. I bet you were. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for warning me about that. Yeah, thanks, Steve Hackett. <laughs> yeah, because the music suddenly stops and you get a Zeke Heil, Zeke Heil, and I thought, this is not going to go down well. I know I live in Elkiston, but really... <laughs> <laughs> so the guy in the white van next to you looks over and goes, "Right, mate, <laughs> <laughs> one of us." Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> not really. It's just the music. Yeah, but this is a very experimental track. You get all this noise. Yeah, and then this Zekyle Zekyle stuff going on. Yeah. Then this crashing sound. Then it just stops. Yeah. But that's not the end of the track. No, and then it carries on. See, I quite like this track. I like it's got some good stuff, and I think the heavy guitar at the start is brilliant. But it sounds half-formed to me. It does, but at the same time, this is kind of the experimental stuff. I would have expected him to leave Genesis to want to do on his own. Mm. You know, if the whole album had been like this, you could have understood him wanting to do his own thing. Yeah. Because this is very different from Genesis. Mm. We've already had two tracks on this album that are like Genesis. Yeah. So you wonder why he bothered leaving Genesis to do tracks that mm. were like Genesis. Yeah. And then we get this track and you think, was this what he really wanted to do but didn't yeah. have the bottle to do a whole album of it? Yeah. Because this is kind of experimental stuff. You would expect people to leave a band to want to do. Yeah. And he, to be fair, his solo stuff does get more experimental as he goes along. Well, not experimental so much, but further away from the sound of Genesis. 
Yeah, um, yeah. And this one is as far away as you can get. Yeah. I like this track. I mean, as you yeah. say, it's it's an odd track. Um, it's not really fully well formed, I don't think. But I like this track because it's such an interesting sound. Yeah. yeah. As I say, and this is what you would expect a solo album to sound like something experimental and odd and something they've been germinating in the back of their mind but it is just a one-off track isn't it yeah yeah i mean it's got loads of strong musical motifs in it um but i say the the whole thing together leaves me feeling a little bit unsatisfied i really enjoy the first bit and right up until the silence Mm. but then the piece of music that follows the silence i mean you get you get the idea that the tower has fallen because yeah. you get this crescendo of noise. Yeah. You get the idea that the tower has fallen. And then you get this piece of music after. It sounds kind of like people walking around, kicking the rubble, not mm. sure what to do now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it, the, the music's just sort of like... Dun, 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 sort of like an embarrassing, what do we do now yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, well, we've won now. What do we do now? <laughs> yeah, I suppose, I suppose you're right. I hadn't really thought of it in that, those sort of terms before. But yeah, you're right. Because the, the, the big crescendo Sorry, in the middle. Could you, could you repeat that? Oh, you're going to add this to your list. Yep, that's going down <laughs> on my list. Simon says, hang on, let me get a pen. Simon says, I'm right again. Gated. <laughs> that's in my diary. How many's that now? Four <laughs> in the last thirty years, but I'm, you know, it's a win for me. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, but anyway, oh, anyway, so the tower is struck down. People don't know what to do, so they turn to the hands of the priestess, which have been robotically sewn on. The revenge. It's just called part two, Simon. There's no revenge. kind of a short one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting little reprise but it doesn't really go anywhere does it nice flute not at all no again like the original track though doesn't mm. really go anywhere yeah. um very nice flute well done i mean that's the whole thing about this album isn't it the whole album is well done it is it's very well produced steve produced this album himself with John Acock. Didn't he do the uh, Mellotron synthesizer as well? This is a very nicely produced album, and he obviously had a very clear idea of what he wanted to achieve from the production of this album. Yeah, you can you can see this is one man's dream, and he's following it. Mm. It's um, I think if somebody else would have produced this, they it's like the Star Wars prequels, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
in that Go on. the one person who's doing everything on it, producing, writing a thingy, you should have another voice in there going, you know, this needs yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and I think a producer on this album would have turned around to him and says, this track's great, doesn't go anywhere though, it needs mm. something. Yeah. So I think this, this, this album may have been hindered a bit by the fact that he produced it himself. Mm, quite possibly. Possibly. It's like there are lots of geniuses in the mm. world. Fortunately, I'm one of them. <laughs> but I need the help of other people to make what I do sound good. Like me. <laughs> no, bless you, you try. But, you know, I also have other people to rely on. And then I, I rub your craning out <laughs> and put real words in. Um, but no, it is, it is that thing, isn't it? No matter, no matter what you create, yeah. it's always nice to have somebody else's point of view. Yeah. Because you because somebody else will hear it through a different set of ears mm. and they'll be able to tell you what works and what doesn't. I think this album could have done with somebody doing that. But then, yeah, possibly, but then maybe it wouldn't have been quite as... Steve Hackett-y? Yeah, because well, it's a strong album. It is a strong album. I mean, the things that we're saying here make it sound like we're perhaps not the biggest fans of this album. That is, we couldn't be further from the truth. This is a good album. Mm. Um, there is absolutely nothing wrong with this album. Yeah. However, I think it could have been better. Yeah, I mean, maybe the tower struck down might have been a bit more coherent if he'd um, had another producer in to tweak it for him. Anyway, maybe we should move on to the next track, which is... <gasps> Herman's Hermits! It's not Herman's Hermits, it's just The Hermit. Oh, okay. Interesting track. Mm. First vocals on this album. And sung by Steve himself. It's a shame he wasn't in the same room as the band, though. <laughs> I mean, why is... Well, he's singing them, but... He's singing them over here, so it's like... Hello, I'm not actually in the same room as you lot playing it, so I sound like I'm very far away. <laughs> it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Production-wise, it's no, it's fine. It's probably the, the effect he was going for. Mm. But you just—I was just listening to it and go, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Was this somebody singing outside on the street, and he just happened to be heard on the vi on the microphone? <laughs> um, it well, it's fine. It's it's not distorted in any way. Yeah, it's just <laughs> in a different room. This song, to be honest, is kind of forgettable, in my opinion. It's quite pleasant, but it's not really that interesting 
that's the notes I've put. It's it's quite nice yeah. I've put, but it's like that's it. It's yeah. quite nice. Yeah. You are never gonna make a mixtape and put this on it. But at the same time, you're not saying. I wish this hadn't been included on the album. To be honest, I had forgotten that this song had got vocals on it until I re-listened to it again this week. And I was like, oh yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but it is the first vocals of this album. I mean, up until this, it's been entirely a musical album. Yeah, and, and this it would this was the last track on the first side of the vinyl album. So it, almost yes. the full side of the album is instrumental. And it's five minutes long. I know. You just think with five minutes, you could have done something a bit more exciting. <laughs> but as I say, it's not bad. It, it is not bad. Not it's bad. just... Yeah. It could have been better. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I've not really got anything much more I can say about that song. No. For, for a track that's five minutes long, we've got surprisingly little to say about it. Yeah. But, but at least we haven't got anything bad to say about yeah, it. No, I wouldn't, definitely wouldn't say it's bad. It's just... Yeah. It's just right. there. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads us on to Star of Sirius. said you weren't highbrow. I am nothing if not predictable. And you are extraordinarily predictable. <laughs> yeah. So, another track with vocals on. Vocals it by is. Phil. Is it Phil singing? It's I Phil. thought it was Phil singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It starts slowly mm. and then goes a bit well, I hate to use the word, but kind of poppy. Yeah, it does go poppy. You're right. That's, that's exactly it. Um, not, not pop pop, but not it's not doesn't go heavy mm. it goes pop yeah it's certainly an interesting track it goes up and down and back and forth the music's kind of all over the shop you get yeah. you get big build ups and then drop outs and then build ups and then drop outs and then drop outs and then build ups mm. um to be honest, though, I got quite bored of this track. <laughs> Did you? I think the second yeah. half is better than the first half. When it when it goes it into is. that poppier mode, um, I much prefer it when he does that. Um, it but, is, yeah. But, I mean, Phil's not not developed his power that he's going to develop yet. At this point, he's not even the singer in Genesis. He's just the drummer in Genesis. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. So he's used to at this point. He's pretty much used to just being in the background yeah. in the band. Yeah. And this is probably one of the first 
singing gigs he's got. Well, with Genesis, he did those two tracks, didn't he? He did uh, More Fool Me from Selling England and uh, For Absent Friends on Nursery Crime. But he was more used to doing the backing vocals. But I must admit, I'm kind of bored of this track. Yeah. It started off well. It was all over the place. It was interesting musically. <laughs> but then I just halfway through went, oh, you know what? Is not, not I don't care where this going now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good. It was kind of one of those, is this over yet? Um, I mean, it's a long track. Yes. Just over seven minutes. Um, and it doesn't need to be. Yeah. It's got some interesting little musical bits in it, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it just doesn't hold doesn't hold that length together well. No, it doesn't hold your interest. There's not enough. It's too repetitive. There's not enough stuff going off. Mm. And I don't think it deserves to be seven minutes. I yeah. know it's, it's the longest track bar one on this album. Yeah. And there's no reason for that. No, no, I it, it just sounds like filling after a while. I think the best thing I can say about this track, not that it's a particularly bad track, but like you say, it's a bit boring, is that it's got some really good drumming on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like a lot of tracks on this album. It's fine. Yeah. But this one I just did find that the fine ran out after a while and I was yeah. going yeah I've, I've had enough of this now yeah. let's do something else mm, yeah uh, I agree yeah so let's move on to the next track then which is The Lovers So this is another short piece. Yeah, nice little pleasant. One minute, loop. one minute fifty. It's not even two minutes. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Backwards guitar. Is that what I'm hearing on that? Oh, it might be. Yeah. It does sound. It's because it starts off with the guitar in the right direction, and then you hear this noise that sounds like backwards guitar playing. Yeah. Or it could have been the sound of the devil talking. I'd have to put it on a turntable and find out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's all right. It's another all right. So now, what does that leave us with? Last track on the album, Shadow of the Hierophant.
the big track of the album. This, this is 11, yeah. nearly 12 minutes. Do you remember he played this when we went to see him I live? I do remember that, yes. Yes. It was very good live. Very good. I don't think he had the singing on it when, when No, I either. seem to have that memory as well. Um, this is a good track. It's, I love. I really like this track. I think it it kind of brings the whole album together, doesn't it? This track. Yeah. I mean, it, musically, it flows really well. It's got that nice little um, reprise of Ace of Wands on the flute. Yes, it has, and that that's why I think it sort of brings the album together. Because you hear there are bits in this, and you think. Oh, that... When I was listening to it, I thought, "Oh, that's that's a part of the second track. That's a part of the third track. Mm. That's a part of the fourth track." But it's not. It yeah. just evokes those feelings yeah. so there's a couple of tracks where you do get a refrain in there from that track yeah but the rest of them it just sounds like it should be parts from another track yeah so i i i, I was getting this impression that oh it's coming together bringing all the themes from the entire album mm. but it wasn't it just a couple of refrains here and there from a from one of the tracks yeah but it just feels like that's what it's trying to do mm. and i think it works very well i like this track i really like i think for me, it reminds me, it's like, trying to put it into words, it's like the sea coming in, so it sort of flows in and then crashes back out again and flows back in. So the music comes in and out of different moods all the way yeah. through. It's constantly flowing. Um, I didn't understand where the elephant came into this, though. No, a high elephant. I don't know where that, you know. I don't, no, I, I didn't understand. There was no trumpeting anywhere in this track. No, no. <laughs> The writers on this are both Hackett and Rutherford, aren't they? Yes. Well, they actually um, rehearsed a version of this for Foxtrot. Um, All right. Which it would have worked on Foxtrot. Which was then never actually used or recorded. So yeah. that would probably be why it's got Mike Rutherford credited as a writer on it. But this could have been used on a Genesis album. Yeah, a, bit, a lot of the tracks on this album sound like Genesis. Which it is why, and again, that is one of the things that bugs me about this album. Mm. It's it's a solo album, which doesn't necessarily need to be a solo album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Steve Hackett had been given, oh, you you just write as an album and then we'll play it. That's what. Yeah. This is what we would have got. Yeah, and and you wouldn't have noticed that this was a solo album if they'd released this as another Genesis album. Yeah. You'd have thought, well, not quite up to their usual standard, but yeah, I can see it's a Genesis album. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but this track, I really like this track. This is... Yeah, it's a good it's a good final track, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's got Sally Oldfield does the vocals on this. That's Mike Oldfield's sister. Oh, she works quite a lot with Mike Oldfield, and she had a solo career of her own as well in the early 80s. So had a few hit singles. Yeah, and on the 2005 reissue of this album, of course, they released, uh, it had two extra tracks, didn't it? it did. Which was a live version of Ace of Wands and a 17-minute version of Shadow of the Hierophant. 17 minutes? It's already 11 minutes long. I know, and to be fair, <laughs> as though I liked this track, the one thing that wasn't going through my mind was, gosh, I wish this was six minutes longer. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine how, because I've not listened to that, so I can't no, imagine how that sounds. Yeah, I mean, like we were doing with the Genesis stuff, we're mm. only listening to the original albums yes. for this. We're not yes. listening to the reissues. Yes. So we're not going to include reviews of the extra tracks, mm -hmm. although people might like that. Um, but we're sticking to our original premise and yes. just doing the original albums. Yeah. But yeah, 17 minutes. God in heaven. <laughs> Life's too short. Do you think that's another six minutes of just that repeated guitar line at the end? 
very yeah, probably. Or maybe there's some. I mean, it was. I mean, at the time, it's probably just some yodeling or something to get the focus gig going. I don't know. I believe it's on Spotify. Um, yeah, I ain't gonna go looking for it. I'll tell you that now. I might have a listen. Life's too short. That's that's literally the side of an album. I might have a listen when I've got twenty minutes that I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. If you've got twenty minutes spare, young man, I can find you something to do. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, some editing needs doing. Anyway, so but I like Shadow Hyphant. I think that is a, a good track. Um, yeah, it's a good track uh, to go out on. It is. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you think of the album as a whole, Sam? Hmm. I have mixed feelings about the album because overall I like it, but it seems a bit inconsistent in terms of not quality, but in terms of mood. Um, there's a lot of really good track, a lot of really good things on this album, but then there's little noodly bits that you could just ignore. You know, you could leave the hermit off, you could leave Hands of the Priestess off. And you wouldn't miss them. Shall I tell you what I think? Yeah. I'll stop you there because you always get to hear what I think. Yeah. Because what I think is very important. <laughs> is it? I think so. <laughs> so. You may think that I can't possibly comment. <laughs> you usually do, but usually when I got my back turned. <laughs> anyway, here's my opinion. Mm. Uh, I thought it was a good album. Yeah. It was, it was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I have no reason to ever listen to this album again. <laughs> There was nothing on here that you could release as a single. Mm. There's no standout track on this album yeah. that you could think, wow, I'm going to put that on a mixtape at some point. Because mm. there's just nothing strong yeah. enough here or standalone enough to put in a mixed track. Yeah. The album itself, I've got nothing wrong with it. It's fine. Yeah. It's well done. It's well crafted. If, as you say, it could do with a little more heart and a little more clarity on the individual mm. tracks. Yeah. But... As this album stands, I have no plans to revisit this at a later date because there's just nothing on this that really grabbed me. Yeah. It was perfectly fine. See, I would list. I'm sure in in the in the prog rock magazine um, tower mm. they have this in the lift. You think? Yeah, but the big tower. But I have no. Yeah, big tower. Obviously, yeah. If you go right up to the top, you can hear the whole album. But there's just nothing on here that I'd want to go back and listen to because none of it is rounded enough to be a standalone track. Yeah. So there's no one track that really grabs me. There's nothing wrong with this album. Yeah. There's just no reason to go back and listen to it again. See, I would listen to Ace of Wands, I'd listen to A Tower Struck Down, and I'd listen to Shadow of the Hierophant. And I would listen to them and enjoy them. And I'd, I'd pick those tracks out and do, I'm just going to listen to Ace of Wands. And I'd listen to that and then listen to something else. But... I wouldn't ever be that bothered about listening to the whole album from start to finish. No, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So there are there are some there are some good tracks, but again, I wouldn't put them on a best of Steve Hackett compilation. But like you, I would also enjoy if I did listen to the album start to finish, I'd still enjoy it and still yeah. like the album. Yeah, I say it's a perfectly fine album. If you were listening to this for the first time, you'd go. That's perfectly fine. It's just that you wouldn't necessarily listen to it for a second time. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of it being the first solo Genesis record that was released, you think it's a good indicator of what's to come? I hope he improves mm. um, in the fact that because he's trying to make a, a go of this yeah. as his own thing now, he's got to grab people. Mm. 
So while these are perfectly good tracks, there's nothing on here that I'm going to be whistling away from yeah. him. He needs to get more tracks that are going to drag people in and more what you could consider classic album stuff. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he's got Genesis to fall back on. When, yeah. By the time he releases his second album, he's left the band. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's his problem here. Yeah. Because as we said, Tower Struck Down was such a break from Genesis yeah. stuff. You think, is this what he was always wanted to do? Is this what he was trying to do, mm. but he was too scared because he wanted to still appeal to the Genesis fans, yeah. but he also had Genesis in the background on his mind. Mm. I just wonder if if he'd made a snap break from Genesis at this point, yeah. if he would have been a little more adventurous in this album. Mm, it's entirely possible, yeah, he might have done. I mean, like I say, his next album is different again. So when we get to his second album, you'll see how not having Genesis as a backup changes the way he does things. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I say, I enjoyed this album, um, but I think... I don't think I'll be listening to it again yeah. anytime soon. Fair enough. Because there was nothing memorable enough to make me want to come back and revisit this. Fair enough. What did you think of the album cover, as an aside? And we, we often talked about well, the Genesis album covers. What do you think of this one? Kind of amateurish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... The artwork looks like it was done by his sister as a doodle. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's. This is not an album that if you, I mean, when we were doing our Desert Island D's mm. stuff, we both said many albums that we've bought, we've bought purely for the cover. Yeah. You would not buy this album for the cover. Mm, no. It's neither interesting enough in its design, or vibrant enough in its use of colour mm. to make you grab this off the off the stand, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is by Brazilian artist Kim Poor, um, and she uh, became Steve Hackett's wife not long after this, so they got married. Um, and she did most of his album covers for the next 20-odd years until they got divorced. To be fair to this album, mm. the cover is... It's a bit like the album. Mm. It's fine. Exactly. I was going to say the same thing. It's, it's OK, but yeah. it's not... But brilliant, great, yeah. yeah. If I'd been doing the graphics on this, mm. I think I'd have done it a hell of a lot different. Because mm. neither the title nor the artist stand out. No. They they sort of done as a similar colour to the rest of the background, mm. so they don't really stand out. Yeah. I would have made this used Steve Hackett's name big time yeah. on this because that's what he's trying to promote here. Mm. So you'd have had Steve Hackett written large. Yeah of the acolyte smaller under it and the picture in the background yeah but they haven't gone with that it's almost like that it's almost an apology <laughs> because it's like right at the bottom by, by steve hackett see it, it's like it looks to be like they've found this piece of art and then going oh that'll do for the album cover and then just slapped it on rather than have it being designed for the album cover they just which it clearly has to be fair you think sort of there's kind of a tower on it and yeah. the the use of multiple suns to pr to give the idea of you know like fading time yeah and there's a few other things like rivers and things which are which appear on tarot cards mm -hmm. i'm not quite sure why the woman holding the bowling ball has been shot through the throat <laughs> um i don't quite get that on the album i'm getting away with the um, bowling ball <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's going on there, yeah. but you know, it's fine. I think this is how it must have gone in the office. We're gonna, we're gonna do you some artwork. We're gonna make it stand out in the field. We're gonna do it duck egg blue. Mm. Duck egg blue. <laughs> yeah, 
It's really going to stand out on the shelves. Yeah. It's going to hide in the wallpaper. Yeah, it might do a bit. <laughs> that, that, I imagine, kind of what went on in the yeah. office. Um, but it's like, uh, it's a, it's a, that, that colour could only be worse if it was beige. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It's not a Rainbow Rising cover, is it? No, it's not vibrant. It's You are not going to buy this album based on that cover. Color, no. Like you say, though, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. But if I was about to launch my solo career, yeah. I'd want a standout cover. Mm. I would really go to town on the graphics. Yeah. yeah. This looks like it was done... Well, the writing looks like it was done with Letraset. <laughs> For all those fans out there who remember Letraset. <laughs> um, it probably was. It doesn't scream by me, does it? No, it doesn't, sadly. Very understated. Yeah, understated. Mm. But understated is not what you want for a breakout solo career, is right, it? For your first solo album, for, for the statement of intent that I, I am solo now. But, well, I suppose he wasn't solo yet. He was still in the band. No, no, no. But considering when Peter Gabriel went solo, mm. I mean, some of the album covers he did at first were almost iconic yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Because of their the use of photography and things, yeah. you know. But there, there, there was some thought. This looks like he found it down the back of a sofa and thought, I can use that as a cover. Looks like. It doesn't look like a lot. It doesn't look like they had a big meeting. Looks like. About went, how to promote this album. Went into a charity shop and found a painting and went, oh, that'll do. And brought it yeah, back. Yeah, kind of like that. In fact, if you saw that painting in a charity shop, you'd assume it came off some granny's wall. Yeah. All right, a very disturbed <laughs> granny. <laughs> Who doesn't like people who you know, bowling balls. Obviously, <laughs> severe hatred of people who steal bowling I balls. That. Yeah. Uh, almost a homicidal hatred of people who steal bowling I want balls. A picture of an emaciated woman running through the door, a door in the air, and she's stolen a bowling ball. But at the same time, she comes through the door. Somebody shoots her in the throat. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, anything else? Um. Just do some background stuff as well, a tower and some rivers and things. Oh, and could you apparently do it in crayon? <laughs> uh, but yeah, apparently yeah, Kim Paul's a, a, a respected artist. I have no doubt, because it's a well-done piece of art. Just not what I'd put on an album cover. Yeah, no. Certainly not on my so first solo album cover. Yeah. You'd want to knock it out of the park, wouldn't you? This looks like it was left in the park. Apparently... That picture won uh, album cover of the year in 1976. Really? Apparently so. That must have been a tough year. What came out in 1976? So it didn't even come out in 1976. So it must have been for albums that came out in 1975. Won an award? Yeah. Am I looking at the right album cover? <laughs> yeah, it's like a ghostly lady running through a door with a stolen bowling ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. It must have been an. It must have been an, uh, quite a barren year for album covers then that's all i can say i say it's 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 a fine piece of artwork it's just not what i put on my solo album cover even I if i was apparently desperately trying to sleep with the person who was doing it mm. but it worked because well, he obviously he did married for 26 years yeah yeah there you go <laughs> right so in conclusion that album it's all right in it it's all right yes it's perfectly fine yeah. i just don't plan to listen to it again anytime soon yeah so, next album in our solos series. Oh, God. Uh, this is going to be a good one. This is Peter Gabriel's first album released in 1977. Oh, 
Cool. Okay. Fine. So, I'm happy with that. Uh, so yeah. So we'll listen to that over the next week and we'll be back here to discuss it in our next episode. Yeah. Looking forward to that. So, Should be a good one. If you want to join in in the discussion, listeners, you could uh, dig that album out, have a listen, and send us your thoughts to revelationstationpodcast at gmail or find us on Facebook. Yeah. And if you just want to listen to it so that you are familiar with what we are we're talking about next week, you can then rant at your radio as we talk and go, "You've got it all wrong. You've got it." It all wrong as i'm sure many people do yeah i know i pretty do. much i know i do as well every time i listen back to these i go what were we talking about <laughs> what on earth uh yeah turn these guys off <laughs> so if you want to support the podcast you can go to buymeacoffee.com and search for the revelation station on there and then you can send us the price of a coffee all proceeds go to the running of the uh, podcast if you're listening to this before the 6th of July 2020, you can also go to the British Podcast Awards, Listener's Choice, and you can search for us there and vote for us. Um, you can vote for as many podcasts as you like in that, but you can only vote for each podcast once. So we would very much appreciate your support. Yeah, Simon wants you to vote because he's a megalomaniac. Uh, yeah, until next week, listeners, uh, stay safe and join us for uh, more exciting episodes. Yeah, have fun, everyone. Bye. Yeah, bye. That's brilliant, I like that.